Welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast, sponsored by AJF Class, and with myself, Stephen Nussbaum. And as always, I'm joined by my good friend, South Dan Chum, the bearded legend, the one and only, the daddy-o, Mr Paul Levy. Thank you very much indeed. Hello everyone, welcome back. This is episode number 237. Just first of all, start the show by thanking everyone who tuned in to last week's show. It was a huge show. We've had well over... 1200 listens to that and uh, in these times that's absolutely fantastic um we hope everybody found it interesting we hope it was insightful uh thanks to the input from chairman nigel travis and again thank you nigel for giving up uh, some of your sunday afternoon uh for giving us uh, open honest and candid uh, insights to what's been going on behind the scenes and what turned out to be an extremely difficult weekend for everybody uh, concerned at the club. This week we've got two games to review, two contrasting games I think it's fair to say. We've got loads of fan reactions and views, our views. Uh, we've got quite a bit of AOB and a few other bits and pieces so I think without further ado let's just crack on. Yeah let's do it and as always we start the podcast with an homage to our sponsors Ada Plastering who you must know by now an Essex-based plastering and rendering company that cover all aspects of domestic and commercial work, specialising in silicone colour render systems. And the best part is that they offer 15% off for all Leighton Orient fans and staff. So if you want more information and you want the best plastering and rendering prices around, you can visit the website for AJF Plastering at ajfplastering.co.uk. Email the boys at ajfplastering at outlook.com. They are also on social media, on Facebook and Instagram at AJF Plastering. And Adam is on Twitter at Big Ads L-O-F-C. So shout out to our sponsors. Keep up the great work. And if you need anything done, do not forget that 15% off. What an offer. <laughs> Absolutely. So a few pieces of AOB for you this week. And it's, uh, it's been a week of uh, busy with birthdays. So we've got a few to cover this week. So first of all, happy birthday, to Kevin Cowlin, who is part of a small group of the 100% Club. That is, Orient fans who have listened to every show since our first one way back in 2014. Next up, very happy birthday to Josh Stevens in the commercial team at the Orient. And the third one is happy birthday to Stu Hebron, who's at Dear Stu on Twitter. He turned 47 yesterday. Don't look a day over 30, mate. Well done, and hope you all had as good a week as possible. Hopefully your last one, well, it is the last one in lockdown, so all good. Yeah, happy birthday, gents. Next up is the Orient ladies. They are back in action. Their second round FA Cup game is away at Hounslow. It takes place on Easter Sunday, which is the 4th of April. The winners of that game will then have a home third round tie and whoever wins that gets to play where off oh, I don't like to say them on this podcast gets to play West Ham in the fourth round on Sunday the 18th of April so come on ladies let's beat Hounslow let's get through to the third round and beat our third round opponents and then let's knock out those lowly dirty low life hammers come on the ladies <laughs> Harsh, but okay, fair enough. Let's move on then. And Linda Brogan from the Supporters Club's got in touch. She's asked us to mention that the Leighton Orient Trust have joined with 13 other London football clubs to walk the Euro 2021 host cities route, which is a total of 6,720 virtual miles. All funds that are raised will be used 
within the Leighton Orient Trust programmes in the local community and all donations will be gratefully received at this following website. Worth taking a pen and a bit of paper to this. Uh, it is justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash Leighton Orient Trust race the euros that's all one word there are no spaces or punctuations in that at all justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash latent orient trust race the euros for anyone who is able to donate linda and the 20 other orient fans who are taking part will be grateful for any donations big or small whatever you can manage they will be absolutely delighted uh, to be able to raise some money for the much-needed Leighton Orient Trust programmes. So good luck to everyone yes. taking their places for that one. So let's move on then to the week that was down at Leighton Orient as Joby McEnough took charge of his first week as interim manager at the Orient. So Coulson Monday, 1st of March. It was one heck of a weekend, as you all know. We all needed Monday to calm down. And lots of you digested episode 230 weeks. Like we said, we were joined by Nigel Travis. Kudos to Nigel for coming on. Like we said last week, there can't be many chairmen in the football league so willing and so open to come on and speak to an unofficial fan podcast. So thanks to everyone who sent us, I mean, my phone, I'm sure yours was as well, Mr. Levy. Your phone was going mental on Monday with all the tweets, all the emails, all the DMs yeah. that we were getting as a reaction to that, WhatsApps everything so thanks to everyone who messaged us and that seems to have gone quite a long way to help fans understand the situation it definitely gave me a lot more clarity than what i felt on sunday afternoon listening to nigel on the podcast made me think that you know although i wasn't happy at the time i can see why they've gone for joby and i have to back him a hundred percent so great mm. podcast there yeah no absolutely and, f- and from the messages and the emails that we were getting i think i don't think you were alone in that as well so I think Nigel's definitely helped. And look, it's either going to go one way or the other. If you weren't on board with it, it's either helped you to understand and you're okay with it or you'll give it a chance or actually your position hasn't changed but you understand where the board are coming from. So that's all good. The club announced that our game against Stevenage this coming Tuesday, the 9th of March, is going to kick off at the very slightly earlier time of 7pm. Yeah, and lastly for Monday, in addition to that announcement, the club also announced that the upcoming away trip to Exeter, which was played yesterday, would be streamed free to all season card holders. Too late to apply for a refund on that one. Yeah, one of the funniest tweets. Well, it doesn't actually. No, we're gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna cover the game later, but that's absolutely fine. So then we're gonna move on to to Huey Tuesday, the second of March. The club announced that Miles Judd's loan spell at Barnet has been extended by another month, and we wish Miles. All the success at Barnet. Seems to be getting a fair bit of game time there as well, which is great. Yeah, but it's third month there, so good luck yeah. to young Mr Judd. So the main event on Tuesday, the one had everyone talking, was the trip to Grimsby Town away. Joby McEnough named his first starting eleven at 6pm, consisting of Lawrence Vigor and goal at the back. Twin Jack and Ola, Jamie Turley, Adam Thompson and Joe Woodhouse making up his back four in midfield. Craig Clay, Usise. Nick Freeman making up his midfield three and up top Dan Kemp on the right DJ in the middle and Mr James Brophy on the left on the bench we had Sam Sargent Sam Ling Dan Happy James Dayton Hector Kiprianu Tristan Abrahams and Connor Wilkinson yes that is absolutely right that starting 11 
and the first name by Joby McEnough saw three changes to Saturday's side who lost to Tranmere as Joby McEnough himself, Connor Wilkinson and Dan Happy were replaced by Jamie Turley, Craig Clay and Joe Widdison and for me he's made some subtle changes, not a complete overhaul which I think is probably a bit of a uh, an understated uh, observation there it says to me that he has belief in the players who have been playing regularly um, Dan Happy and Connor have been a little bit off recently so I completely understand why he's making those changes I'm a fan of Jamie Turley I, I think he's a good player um, so giving giving Dan and giving Connor a, a bit of a rest um, I think it's the right thing to do I think it's going to be quite interesting to see how this goes because Neither Grimsby nor Orient are in particularly great form at the moment. Your view, Steve? I was, I was surprised that he didn't change the formation. I must be honest. One of mm. the biggest criticisms we had of Ross um, was the fact that it was a rigid 4-3-3 and never changed. I thought he may go 4-4-2. I still think Orient, despite what the director of football was saying, have the plays to go 4-4-2. So I was surprised he went with 4-3-3, which was a system so heavily criticised uh, when Ross was in charge but he did make some big calls I think you know I had to, I had to agree to drop down happy was the right choice mm. based on the performance against Tranmere and a very big call there to drop Connor um, in place of moving Brophy back up top so big calls there big opportunities as well for Jamie Turley and Joe Woodison who've been kind of forgotten men over the last three or four months so big big opportunities and obviously James Brophy playing up top so as you can imagine Lots and lots of tweets coming into Orient Outlet podcast hours at literally 6pm on one second gone. Kieran Derry7 tweeted us. He was the first one in. So Brophy high up the pitch at long last already. He's clearly not scared to drop players who haven't played well recently. Billy Carroll, GB, said disappointed to see he hasn't changed the formation, but obviously he hasn't had time to implement his system. Great to see Brophy back on the wing where he belongs. Would have preferred Hector in over Cissé. But other than that, a solid team. Yeah, I think a lot of people had the same view about yeah. Hector um, overseas. So Paul Red Runson, I'm not sure about the team. It's definitely Joby's team and I'm backing him to the hill. Obviously, please, Brophy is playing further forward. But I'm a big fan of Wilkerson and Happy. Although Happy has been poor for a few games and that is a strong bench. Rob MCC. Rob MCC68 said, Glad to see Joe Woodison in from the cold. Start with a solid base, then let Brophy strut his stuff up front. So those were all tweets that came into us at Orient Outlook. So the match kicked off at 7pm on a cold night in Grimsby and a cause for concern in only the second minute as Adam Thompson went down with a head injury while challenging for the ball and also injured his leg, which did look very serious. Obviously, he fractured his ankle that we found out after the game. He was not fit to carry on. And in the fourth minute, Dan Happy came on to replace him. Yeah, turns out he's fractured his ankle, as you say. But he did make it home on the uh, team bus with his leg in plaster. I don't know if anyone saw those pictures on or that picture on on social media. But yeah, something that's so innocuous, he's just landed a bit awkwardly and fractured his fractured his ankle. We wish you a very speedy recovery, Adam. Uh, first chance of the game came in the 16th minute as Nick Freeman fed James Brophy, who drove into the box, got his shot off, but the Grimsby defender did well to block it. Brophy was looking like he had the beating of his man from literally the first minute his 
right back for Grimsby looked absolutely petrified of James Brophy. And Brophy looked up for this one. So encouraging signs yeah. there very early. We were looking dangerous. We won a succession of corners. And the third one came in the 20th minute. It was a short corner, which we haven't really seen much of from the O's or really any effective ones. Dan Kemp got the ball. We crossed into the box from the right-hand side. Dan Happy ghosted in behind the Grimsby defence. Easy tap home from close range. 1-0 to the Orient. Yeah, love seeing a variety of corner routines. It shows, you know, that we're not that predictable. Um, and from Happy, who's come in for a lot of criticism recently, you know, within a few minutes, he's, you know, he's taking his place on the bench and sort of four or five minutes later, he's up and out and back on the pitch. And 15 minutes after that, he's scoring what turned out to be the winning goal. Amazing. Two two goals in his last two trips to Grimsby. Loves playing Grimsby, <laughs> does Mr Happy, but... I think at that point we were starting to turn the screw and I think it was deserved. And if Happy missed it, Usise was literally right behind him, you know. Mm. So, would have yeah. put it in there, but a good start. And at that point, you're thinking, right, if we get a second here, this could be game over very quickly. I, I did make a note at, at around this sort of half an hour point that it, we've created a couple of other good chances, mainly from, from Brophy down, the, down our left-hand side. He looked like a real man on a mission. Um, in that game and we look much more energised and attack minded and I was really enjoying a slight difference of of, of game and, and sort of set up so I don't know whatever Joby said to the guys on Monday morning in training and what they did but seems to have worked It was a bit of a different um, kind of game for Orient because normally we're the ones playing the possession football but we were going a lot more direct Grimsby were the ones trying to build passes together they only had one man up front and they couldn't get him involved at all um, in the first half so we, mm. it was nice to see Orient looking like the more dangerous team mm. even though Grimsby were very very poor on the night they had the first effort on goal you know the first one worth noting the 34th minute as El Mizuni got a pass his man struck the ball well but sends it well over the bar and like I said we looked really comfortable I wasn't sitting there thinking Grimsby going to equalise in any minute we looked like we would go and get a second if there was to be another goal in that first half. Yeah, we're going to move forward five minutes. We worked uh, the ball quickly up the pitch. James Brophy quickly fed Danny Johnson. He took a touch and his smashed and smashed his shot at Eastwood, who spilled the ball with Dan Kemp rushing on, and his effort unfortunately just went went wide. So it's, again, more positivity from us. Yeah, definitely was very direct. Uh, Eastwood done well there 42nd minute Turley and Happy got caught flat footed with a slight ball over the top but Turley recovered very well to stop the danger from pain how Dan Kemp did not score in the 44th minute is is beyond me he missed a real golden chance to double our lead and make it 2-0 if you remember Usise played a ball into uh, ball to James Brophy on the left he drove into the Grimsby box beat his man squared it onto the onrushing Kemp and his effort just curled up and onto the bar, and oh, what a what a miss with the goal gaping as well. I feel like I've been quite critical of Dan Kemp on the podcast so far, and I, I don't mean to be, but I'm with you. He has to score that. I mean, yeah. Brophy, you could you could argue should be more selfish there, and once he turns his man, it's an opening for him to smack it in the bottom corner. But it plays in Kemp, and we'll. we'll you know, in front of our TVs or computers or phones or whatever, we're watching these games at the moment, ready to leap up and he mm. hits the bar and mm. he's thinking, oh, I hope we don't have to pay for that. But yeah, he should have scored that. So a chance went begging there. Two minutes of time rallied on, played out. The referee bought Joby McEnough's first managerial 45 minutes to an end with the O's a goal up and leading by goal to nil. Yeah, much better half of football. We look more positive, a bit more sharper. We're keen to get the ball forward much more too. 
uh, which I which I really enjoyed, and and also you know a variety of different ways, long ball on the ground, down the wings, cross field, different corner routines. Yeah, much more enjoyable half of football. You felt if we were going to get an early second goal, it could be a three or a four. They're, they were there to be smashed. There was no threat from them up top, and we we looked very comfortable. So lots of tweets came into us at half time. Mike Oakley underscore so Brophy is just class. No other words. DJ needs a partner up top. He's not done much for me this half. Cisse has been better than recent weeks, and all in all, a good half. Let's get an early one second half and kill it off. Rich Den M said, fairly happy with the first half. Being the better side by a mile, we need to tighten up our passing and need to get a second early in the second half. So there were no changes for Yo's at half-time. The second half got underway. We created two good opportunities in the first couple of minutes. We were looking quite lively, both involved, moving the ball quickly up to DJ um, and Brophy, but we couldn't take advantage, still 1-0. Uh, the crossbar denied Dan Kemp again in the 50th minute. Carl, not his friend uh, that night, was it? Uh, James Brophy was played in on the left. His ball across the box eventually came out to Kemp on the half turn, but his shot curled up again onto the bar from just three yards out. I mean, we've had a couple of attacks in the last two minutes and not capitalised, but this one should absolutely 100% have gone in. Brophy's been in great positions as well, it's worth pointing out. But he hasn't taken the shot with his right foot. Um, he, a lot of people have commented and pick, picked up on that. Um, yeah, needs to needs to either work it onto his left quicker or or just take the shot with the right foot. If you're praising Dan Kemp, you say, well done for getting yourself into those goal-scoring situations because he's in the centre of football love. So obviously yeah. knows where the balls are going and he's making yeah. the runs. But if you're being uber-critical, you say, mate, you should, be, you should have had two goals in this game. So, yeah. you know, there's two ways of looking at it. But there we go. Still 1-0. 53rd minute, a good counter-attack from the O's. Dan Kemp picked up the ball, played to Nick Freeman. He fed the ball through to DJ, completely missed his kick. But fortunately for him, and to save his embarrassment, he was offside anyway. <laughs> Next 20 minutes, so real no chances to talk about, but Grinsby changed their formation, trying to find a way back into the game. So we're going to fast forward now to the 75th minute as the superbly named John Lewis. So you know they, they've got a song, his name is a shop, his name Love is it. a shop, Linnell John Lewis, his name is a shop, was played in at a tight angle. He smashed his shot against Lawrence Vigarou's post following a good counter-attack after Nick Freeman lost out in the middle of the pitch. And that was a huge let-off for us. Uh, we looked really exposed there. The way they got the way they got the ball out wide to John Lewis and him bearing in on goal, he just seemed to have time, which you know he, he really shouldn't have done. So, yeah, bit, as I say, a real huge let-off for us there. Clever ball round the back, and another day we'll probably get punished for that. But what I will say is, if anyone watches this back again, which they probably won't because this game's been in God, Dan Happy does amazingly well to put John Lewis off just about as he's going to pull the trigger. Happy does really well there. I think that kind of went under the radar, but well done there for Dan Happy. So let's go two minutes later. In the first, though, sub as Hector Kipriano came on and replaced Craig Clay. I think Clay put in a decent performance. It was a yeah. captain's performance. He was bossing. The midfield looked up for it, um, took a few knocks in there as well. So I've got to say, well done to Craig Clayley for that game. Absolutely. So managing him as well, he's not played much in the last sort of few weeks. So um, good, good uh, man management there. 79th minute, Lawrence Vigarou did well to gather a low hard cross from a Grimsby cross come shot. And Vigarou did well again in the 82nd minute from another low hard cross into our box with John Lewis busting a gut to get on the end of it. But thankfully, 
Bigaroo did well to scupper those chances. So 85th minute, then Brophy scuffed the shot that went across the face of the Grimsby goal after we did well to get up the ball to him quickly. I mean, you could definitely see how quickly the ball was moving um, from like defence to attack. Uh, followed up by our second sub of the game as DJ was replaced by Tristan Abrahams. Yeah, 87 minutes on the clock now. The O's kept the ball well under Grimsby pressure. Dan Happy's long ball eventually came to James Brophy, who drove into the box, cut his cross back to the back by the byline or from the byline that was blocked out for a corner that unfortunately ended up coming to nothing so this is really impressive to see James Brophy still going so late in the game yeah Brophy had a decent game to be fair to him mm. so two minutes of time were added on and in the first minute Hector Kipriano showed good quick feet to keep the ball he won a free kick which was taken short Hector eventually came got the ball back done well actually to tackle a good speed defender good position Squared the ball to Tristan Abraham, so you thought was going to smash it. Took a snapshot, worldwide. Very disappointing finish there. I got to say from Tristan. Mm, yeah, but I, yeah, that, that was the snapshot. That, that because of that, the referee brought the match to a close shortly after, and Joby McEnough got a win in his first game in charge. Yep. So Joby spoke to Dave Victor after the interview is available on the club's YouTube channel. We've taken a small quote from Joby who said, a win is a win. Delighted to get off to a winning start. I went in first and foremost, said to the lads, buzzing, as it's been a while since we had a win. So that is the most important thing. But again, as we get better and improve, we should be finishing that game off. So well done to Joby and that win. So let's move up the league table to to 13th, moving up one place. Now having played 31, winning 12, drawing 6, Losing 13. A goal difference still healthy, plus three and 42 points. So, Mr. Levy, your views on Joby McEnough's first game in charge? Yeah, really agreeing with Joby there. Three points is three points, however you get them, whether you're playing like Barcelona or whether you're playing like Sunday League football. A win is a win. Very good first half for us. Grinsby tried hard to get back into the game. They made substitutions, they made changes. Um, but unfortunately not good enough. Created several good opportunities in the second half. We did um, need to be more clinical to finish them off. You know, Dan Kemp has a uh, an effort that hits the crossbar in either half. If he buries either of their either or both of them, then that's a you know a much more flattering uh, scoreline. Kemp was busy. He was unlucky not to score. Um, he, like you just said, Steve, he gets into the right positions. He's just got a be a bit more composed uh, when he's got when the, when the ball comes to him and he's got that chance. Thought Cisse was a bit better too. Uh, pleased about Turley being back. I thought he did well in his experience marshalling that back line as well. You know he's got young Tunji to his right, Dan Happy, who, despite being young, has played a significant amount of games and and obviously um, uh, Joe at left back. So it's good to have a little bit of experience there. We look sharper. We look more dangerous than we had done in previous games. Um, and I noticed, I think we only had 47% of the possession as well. So, you know, again, it's not all about how much of the ball you have. It's what you do with it. Standout players for me, special mention here for, for Lawrence Vigaru, uh, Joe Widowson, James Brophy, Jamie Turley, as I mentioned before, and also Dan Kemp. And I thought, as I say, Cissé um, did, did quite well for once. So, uh, yeah, all in all, happy from me. But let's not get carried away. It's one win. Um, and we'll see what see what the future games have in store. Yeah, agree with you there. I thought it was better, um, more intentful. Although the second half we did die off a little bit and let them back in uh, possession wise, but definitely more intent, 
definitely a higher intensity. We really should have been outside by half time, or if not, you know, early in the second half. If Kemp scores either of his chances, I think it's a very, very comfortable win. I thought Willowson was fantastic, actually. I thought Joe played really well. I thought they were petrified of Brophy. He seemed to be relishing having a go at their defence. Um, Vigo's distribution was a bit off, I know. So lots of times where he got the ball and it was just, after he kicked it, it was just going straight out of play, which was a bit unlike him. Really bad news for Adam Thompson. I think Thompson's been very good since he's come in. He's obviously made a few mistakes, like we talked about uh, on last week's podcast, but I think he'll be a massive miss, actually. I think he really will. He's a leader on the pitch, and I think we're really going to miss him. Um, like many people have said, and I think like you pointed out, Grimsby weren't very good, but you can only beat who you play. And you know, It wasn't a great match, but for me, it's not one to underestimate, especially in terms of the confidence that a win will bring, especially in Joby's first game. And just to get a win will be great for the players, and he can use that as motivation for the next one. Absolutely. So those were our views. Yeah. It's time for your views in. Like always, we had a huge amount of views coming to us at Orient Outlook Podcast Towers. Thanks to everyone who sent us their views. And again, this is the important part, just because we read them does not mean we agree with them. So Orient Joe was the first to tweet in who said, good performance, better to watch and a clean sheet. Now we just need to work on the finishing. Matty Sarri said, fantastic win, got exactly what we needed, even if we were very poor, especially in the second half. Job done and hopefully get some confidence into the boys ahead of a much bigger test on Saturday. Paul Ravens, 39, said three points is three points, much needed. What I will say, though, is we struggled more than I would have liked against the bottom of the table side. If we play like that against Exeter, we'll be torn apart. But a win will boost morale. Paul Skinner, 88, kept it simple. He said, a lot brighter display. Brophy looked dangerous. Widdersson was solid. And a good start with only a day's training. Missed far too many easy chances, though. Aaron, underscore more, 25. to the bet performance and look good going forward. Probably deserve to win by a bigger scoreline will take the three points. Chef Kemp won, said big three points, better performance, could have and should have won by more. Brophy was amazing again. Turley, Woodison, Akinola, Cissé and Kemp were all brilliant as well. Yeah, good to see Cissé getting a few plaudits there. Joe Jessner, 16, said bad game on a shocking pitch. The most important thing was to win though. Pretty emphatic statement of where Brophy needs to play. I mentioned for Dan Happy, must have done his confidence, no good to have three centre-backs selected in front of you for the new manager's first game. But he came on, scored the winner, and was generally solid throughout. We were very watertight on our left side. Yeah, good points there. Yeah, it says a lot about Dan Happy, doesn't it? The fact that he dropped to the bench, but he came on and gave a stellar performance like that, irrespective of the fact that they were bottom of the league. Fully aware of that, fully aware they're out of form, but he still needs to come in and he still needs to do a job because at this level, whether you're top of the league or bottom of the league, if you make a mistake, you're more than likely, more often than not, to get punished. So, no, it says a lot about the character of Dan Happy, um, to be fair. Kyle Fear zero one one said, that'll do. Don't think it mattered how well we won this, uh, just that we did win it. It's got to be more, we've got to be more clinical in front of goal. But that's it, really. Well done, Neo. Great start for Joby. I do agree there. I think there's a lot of people being a little bit too... Monday night football pundit commentary criticalness about about our performance, which I didn't mention in my views. But look, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if it's pretty or not. We've won, um, and and that's all that matters, really. 
Yeah, absolutely. Andy Smith, 18, 81, says three points. A winning start for Joby. Should have been more comfortable. Kemp missing two easy chances. I hope Thompson is OK. Fort Turley and Wellison did well after hardly any game time. Trousers Techno said it was all about the result and it was the right one. Lots to improve on, but let's just be happy to break the poor run we've been on. Spring lead at force. Great to get a win at long last, but this was against a poor side and there were quite a few wasted chances for Yo's in the second half. Hopefully, give the team confidence in the coming matches. Richie J. Bourne said, great to get the win. The irony is we missed Joby on the pitch. Johnson needs more support. Expecting too much of him, Kemp really should have put those chances away. Good point there about missing like a Joby-esque player. Uh, in the middle of the pitch and uh, you know good point about Johnson needing more support that I'm sure we're going to hear about a bit more later Adam Boniface 12 said we look so better going forward without Wilkinson on the wing he's too selfish and every attack we'd have he'd just take a stupid shot that would go 20 feet over the bar Brophy and Kemp need to be our main wingers to keep this up Alan Reeves interesting point there from Adam yeah yeah, it is. Alan Reeves too said, keep it simple and don't overthink it. Abrahams through the middle was effective when he came on. Turley was superb. The wingers playing as wingers and no pointless sideways and backwards passing. Much better. Robert Pope, EYF, said a decent performance. Create good chances, but not ruthless enough. If Johnson doesn't score, we look a bit toothless. I still think Wilkinson is our best player, so I was surprised to see him on the bench. That's a new account for me. Welcome to uh, the podcast, Robert. See... Gibson underscore 89 said, that's the sort of tempo, aggression, a passion and desire I want my team to show every match. Quality at times was lacking and we should have been out of sight, but that will come. Well done to Joby and the boys. Good tweet there. Some good buzzwords. Yeah. Aggression, passion, desire. Molly Folly 2019. So the course, it wasn't perfect and it should have been comfortable if Kemp had done his job. But what a difference with the intensity and attack and intent. More direct. But with a purpose, the debate about Woodison and Brophy is over. Freeman's best game and moved the ball well. We are back. DVD NTTG said, Good confidence boost to win, but worried about Vigoro's distribution and Cissé's lack of pace in midfield. Brophy, Turley and Kemp all play well. LFC Teresa said, So much better to watch. There's more attack and there was intensity we haven't had of late. Brophy was dangerous. I'm loving him further up the pitch. Kemp getting into good positions and those near misses. Three points. And up one place to 13th in the league. Ian Hutchinson, 08, said three points. Get in. Why is it we insist on playing long balls for most of the game when DJ is against six-foot-plus defenders? The few times we got the ball down and played through the lines, we got, uh, we, got in on, oh, whoopsie, we got in on goal. We are good enough to play football on the floor. Can't be much fun for DJ. I think the pitch had, had a bit of input into that, Ian. Um, to be fair, the pitch was a little bit disastrous. Pandemonium, 1881, said it wasn't the greatest and Grimsby showed why they are where they are. But you can only beat what is in front of you. And there were flashes of some good stuff all over the pitch. The result was the most important thing and it is something to build on. Leon Othan said, really disappointed, resorted, resorted to hit and hope. There didn't seem to be a plan in the attacking third other than to run around a lot and hope for mistakes. At least I could see the methodology behind Ross's wide players cutting in and wide players overlapping, even if it was a bit slow. So different take there from Leon, and he was not alone, as we had a tweet from Lee Boyce, 13, who said a winner's expected against the bottom club. Didn't see any signs of a plan B to kill the game off, and the 4-3-3 formation left DJ isolated the whole game against a very static defence. 
Exeter will be interesting and we'll get an insight into if the owners will look for a proper manager. LOFC1978 said they, said they enjoyed that. Only criticism is we need to be more clinical. Should have been 3-0 if Kemp showed more composure. It was great to see Widdison back and Brophy further forward was so much more of a threat. Turley and Clay were decent as well and it felt like having Orient back again. Scriverian Dance have never filled Joe Widows and gets the credit he deserves. People talk about us looking better with Brophy playing further forward, but a big part of that is that we look better with Joe at left back. Mm. He had a superb game. Nice point there about Joe Widows, and good point well made. Yeah, it's true. Knowing that you've got someone with Joe's experience behind you, it means that you're a little bit more freer to go and do what you need to do further up the pitch. Not to say he can do it all on his own, he'll need cover and help and support and all the rest of it, but... Yeah, it does make a huge difference. The final word on this game, though, goes to Orion Meat Pie. And he said, much better tonight, creating chances, much more aggressive. Didn't think I'd be disappointed that we'd missed chances. We hadn't even been creating chances before today. Everyone played well. So those were all tweets that came in to us at Orient Alex. So thanks to everyone who tweeted us. So time for a Design Cadby Prediction League update. So Design Cadby, as you probably know by now, they specialise in company branding, advertising, print, digital and logo design with all LOFC fans and staff getting 15% off. So you can find James on social media. He's at Design Cadby on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And if you want to, you can also email James hello at jamescadby.com. That's right, so well done to HopeBoy291, Herms the Word, Dan Alton2590, uh, Booth Baron, sorry, Postman Pat1965, David Landau17, Charlie underscore Paul, Orion underscore fan, George Gurks, Reedy QB9, Antonio, uh, Tony Antonio, sorry, Tony, uh, who all correctly predicted 1 0. You guys all get three points. I still find that impressive that people get that, and so many of you. Did get it right. No one got the correct scorer. Uh, so a top of the prediction league table update will follow at the end of this podcast. And that concludes our roundup of the Grimsby game. So we're now going to move on to Wednesday the 3rd of March. We sure are. And the LMA released a statement on behalf of Ross Embleton. So we're just going to read the first three paragraphs, well, first three lines really at this. So Ross said, I would like to go on record and thank Leighton Orient Football Club for an incredible three and a half years. When I returned in July 2017, we had just nine young players. I was the only member of coaching staff and we barely had any equipment to run a training session. I am proud to leave in place a high-performing football environment. The young and talented staff deliver an incredible standard of medical practice, sports science, analysis, coaching, and plans for recruitment. So the entire statement is available on Twitter. We retweeted it as well. It's on our Facebook and our Instagram pages. So Ross, as classy as ever, very dignified yeah. um, in his statement. So well done to Mr. M. Bolton. Absolutely. And will always and forever be the third outlooker as far as we're concerned. So that covers Wednesday on Thursday the 4th of March, the club announced that renovation work will be starting in the coming weeks on the roof of the East Stand. The main project that will commence in the coming weeks will be the replacement of the entire roof, excluding our famous gable and essential work to the main structure of the stand. This extensive work will enable us to upgrade lighting and sound quality within the stand and in addition will make some improvements to the concourse and washroom areas said a statement on the Orient website so 
if you sit in the East Stand, the main long-suffering group of fans that do that, kudos to you. You're getting a new-ish stand. Yeah, look forward to seeing that. Um, mm. Seeing how that one goes. So another announcement on Thursday as it was announced that the upcoming away match to Newport County on Saturday, the 20th of March, will now be played at the Cardiff City Stadium to aid the recovery of the Rodney Parade pitch in Newport, which is just an absolute mud pit. So get to play at the Championship ground. I think that would actually benefit Newport more than us. I think Newport, from what I saw on Chris TV, I've asked a few times to go and play their games elsewhere because they can't play their passing football on literally the most disgusting football pitch you've ever seen. <laughs> well, that's what happens when you share with a rugby rugby side. <laughs> like, what are you expecting? They, that's all they do is yeah. is like kick the lumps out of each other in the pitch. So there was nothing to report on Mooney Friday the 5th of March, so we're going to fast forward to Saturday the 6th of March. The main event of the day was Exeter City away, and before the game... On Friday lunchtime, we ran a poll that was started on Friday lunchtime to find out how we thought, how you all thought the O's would get on. Uh, and after 237 votes in just under 24 hours, you voted as follows. So 26% thought Orient would lose, 36% thought there'd be a draw, um, and just edging it slightly with the win percentage was 38% thought that we would win that. So thanks to everybody who took a moment to cast their vote. Much appreciated. So the team was announced at midday. This one kicked off at 1pm. So Vigaru in goal. Back four of Tunjakanola, Jamie Turley, uh, Dan Happy and Joe Willowson. With, say, Nick Freeman and Craig Clay midfield. And up top, Dan Kemp, James Brophy and Danny Johnson. On the bench, we had Sam so Sam Ling, Jaden Sweeney, Hector Kipriano, James Dayton, Tristan Abrahams and Connor Wilkinson. Absolutely, that meant there was one change from the team who beat Grimsby as Dan Happy was named in the starting eleven following Adam Thompson's injury. Steve, your views on that team? Yeah, no surprises following the game on Tuesday. I thought that Wilkinson may start in place of Danny Johnson. I had a feeling he may drop Danny Johnson for this one, but he didn't. No, yeah, completely as I expected. I think Connor could probably count himself slightly unlucky not to be starting in this one. Yeah, I agree. I agree. We had a number of tweets that came in. Got a couple here for you. Liam NUFC98 said, apart from the injured Thompson, the lineup was expected. A popular 32, so I wish we would start with two up front. And PM31970 said, as expected, but still think Johnson is too isolated up front and he prefers Hector to Cissé as well. So the match kicked off. Joby McEnough's O's were looking to build on the midweek win over Grimsby and Exeter. We're looking to push on with their push for their playoff place. Yeah, third minute, a penalty shot for Exeter, which was waved away after Jamie Turley made an outstanding intervention to stop an Exeter through ball in the O's box. Well played there, Jamie Turley, yeah. but Exeter had come out the blocks very fast. You uh, could already tell they were going to be a very different proposition to the Grimsby team we faced earlier in the week. 100%. 11 minutes gone now, and Exeter took the lead as the O's lost possession from a throw in. A boot upfield was controlled by Mercado, who's Mercado, sorry, whose ball down our right fan found Randall, who picked up the ball, drove into our box, and he placed his shot through Lawrence Vigaru's legs to give Exeter the lead. And for me, I think Tunji was a little bit out of position there. He got caught out poor from us. 
Uh, now we're on the back foot for a large part of this game is what I wrote because I do it. I do this obviously as people probably know as the game goes on. So making my notes there, yeah, not not a great goal and not seeing Lawrence Vigaru beat like that at all. I think, I think it was disappointing. That, I mean, that all came from our throwing. So yeah. Joe Woodson took a throwing. Craig Clay just tries to lob it over his man, which goes nowhere, gives possession away. And then 15 seconds later, we're picking the ball out of our net. So granted, if we're not playing a team as good as Exeter, that attack probably doesn't happen as swift as it does. But when you're playing one of the top teams in the division, you've got to retain possession much better than what Craig Clay did. And you've got to defend much better than Tunji Akinola did. And Vigaru, you could argue, might have been able to do better. But decent shot, decent finish. down. Things were going to get from bad to worse. As my stream kept kept uh, stalling so uh, the second goal I saw him line up the shot and then nothing happened my screen through <laughs> so he lined up the shot <laughs> Matt Jay got the ball from fairly 25 to 30 yards out had a crack it looked like Vigoru was going to deal with it very comfortably Vigoru kind of jumps up um, gets his hands to it and it squirms through his fingers and it goes into the back of the net and suddenly it's 2-0 on an absolute nightmare start for the O's Vigaru is solely responsible for that one. He rarely makes an error, so I'm not going to be harsh on him, but he's, he'll know he'll have to do better than that. I don't think you need to watch video clips back then on Monday morning knowing where you went wrong. You know He's been done for his legs. He's let one slip through his hands. He's not had an off game for us in forever. So, But unfortunately, he's, you know, he's let sort of two goals in in the first sort of 10, 15 minutes. So, yeah, real tough one, but I'm not going to be harsh on him because the amount of points he's helped us keep or win or whatever has far outweighed these two mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. So, like I said, when Jay lined up the shot, my computer stalled, so I had to refresh it. And then the replay was about to be played and that stalled as well. So, I didn't oh, actually see no. that goal until like the half-time analysis. And I wish I hadn't. Um, to be honest with you so let's go forward into the 23rd minute Joe Widowson who looked so good against Grimsby was having a really tough time in this one he got booked um, through an attack from Exeter which was clearly a booking from the free kick which was like a really basic cross to Vigoru Vigoru looked very nervous he spilled the ball out um, clearly rattled by his early mistake and Usiso cleared the ball but we were looking absolutely petrified at this point we've only 23 minutes gone yeah, absolutely agree with you. 38 minutes on the clock now. Tunji Akinola did well to recover and block a shot that Bo- as Bowman drove into the box and backhilled his pass to the very lively Matt Jay. So Tunji did well there, but just four minutes later, the game was all but over. As Jay got his second of the match and Exeter's third after more poor O's defending. As a cross came into the box from the right-hand side, Tunji Akinola was on Bowman, but Bowman used his strength to get ahead of him from close range. Bowman's, I think it was like a chested effort. He kind of scuffed it, didn't he? Kind of bounced up in the air. Everyone stopped. Ball hit the post. But Matt Jay was there waiting. Easy tapping. 3-0. Done. Dusted. See you later. Game over. And this is only 42 minutes. We've still got another three or four minutes of this half and all of the second half. But between Akinola and, and, and Turley, that was an absolute disaster. And we've not been at the game at all today. We've not turned up. Nobody has turned up today. And defensively, we've been absolutely appalling. And I think, you know, if Lawrence Vigaru has a bad game, I think you know you're in for a bit of a bit of a bad one. 
I have not turned the stream off yet, but that was as close as what I've come to literally turning the stream off. Yeah. Um, terrible, but completely deserved for Exeter. They're, they're as bad as we've been in the half. Exeter have been absolutely brilliant. So we had our first shot on goal from Craig Clay in the 43rd minute, which was dealt with comfortably. Two minutes of time were added on, played out. As referee brought the half to a close with Exeter leading a shell-shocked Orient 3-0. Yeah, worst half of football I've seen from us in a while. Never seen Turley and Vigaru so rattled and unsettled at the back. What's what's happened here? Why are we? Why have we come out and started playing like this? Needs to be a huge second half um, from us. And Joby's half-time team talk, I think it's going to be an interesting one. I'd like to have heard what he said. But um, yeah, poor, 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 poor. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I thought Exeter were excellent. As bad as we were, Exeter were strong, they were all over us, they were first to every ball, made us work, and we didn't know how to deal with them, that's what a good League 2 football team is like, as you can imagine, not a happy bunch at half-time, lots of angry tweets coming into us, or an outlook, MS Orient, so wrong approach, wrong setup. embarrassing leaving Wilkinson on the bench, I'm not going to bark on about the rigorous mistakes, because he's been outstanding, this lot need a reality check, slow, sluggish, with kick and punt football, what a letdown. David Reichardt, 80, said, whatever has gone on over the last few weeks or months, we no longer look like a team. Some of these players need to have a long, hard look at themselves. Yeah, Orient 0546480. So I think we must have had the smallest front three in League Two. So what's with the long balls over the top? Yeah, John Crabb, 3, said, I'd expect this level of quality from good pub players, from professionals who train every day. This is pathetic. Needs a serious shake-up. Guy one and Cog one two said Sack Ross and Star Mark said hope the Lynch mob is feeling real proud of themselves right now. Yeah, Casey Adams LOFC said what is the point in playing Johnson up front on his own? J boy four for four said so do we prefer nil nil and I'm having a shot on target with Ross or nil three and I'm having a shot on target with JB? What a difference a whip makes. <laughs> Dear Stu, utterly embarrassing. No fight, no spirit, no shots on goal. Why the hell do we keep pumping it long up front? It's completely pointless. Every single one of them players, manager and coaches should be embarrassed. Oh, and happy birthday to me. Yeah, happy birthday to Stu. Clearly enjoying himself at (laughs) 1pm on his 47th birthday. So Joby Mackinac made one change at half-time as Joe Widowson was replaced by Connor Wilkinson with James Brufy moved to left-back. Dan Kemp on the left-hand side of the forward line and Connor Wilkinson went on the right. And in the 48th minute, got bad to worse as Exeter started where they left off as Tunjak and Ola fouled the on-racing roundel inside the area got booked for his efforts, referee pointed to the spot in what, for me, was a penalty all day long. Yeah, Matt, Matt J made no mistake from the penalty spot, sent Lawrence Vigarou, uh the wrong way from 12 yards, that secured his hat-trick and made it 4-0 just five minutes into the second half. You can tell this was going to be a long half. <laughs> yeah, first hat-trick there from Matt J. At this point, again... My finger was twitching to turn the stream off, but for some reason, however, I kept on with it. The 54th minute was a double sub. Dan Kemp made way for Tristan Abrahams and Tunja Canola made way for Sam Ling. Yeah, 63 minutes now, so just over the hour mark. Connor Wilkinson did very well to skip past his man, broke to the byline, but his shot was saved by Anderson. Yeah, I mean, Wilkinson always gives you an attacking threat, and he was the only player, really, for me, who was looking like he had any chance of opening the score. In the 65th minute, we had a free kick, about 25 yards out. Wilkinson was over it, took a decent effort, 
but Andreessen, the young keeper, made a decent save. Again, a young keeper in goal, we've not really tested at all until the 63rd minute. Shocking, really. Yeah, that's really the point, isn't it? That if they're young, or any keeper, really, experience that... Uh... Uh, test them, take shots at them, because you never know when they might do. You know what Lawrence Vigaru did, and, yeah. and sort of let one slip through their fingers. Jamie Turley went into the referee's book in the seventy-fourth minute. That was for a foul on Bowman as a poor crossfield pass from James Brophy sold him a bit short. Not quite sure why Brophy did that. That was from our throw-in, I think, on the on the uh, on the byline there. Oh, not the byline on the uh, on the line, but yeah, poor. I just think their pressing game was second to none. They've, when they pressed us, we looked, we didn't know what to do. Their pressing game was far too good. That's what I want to see an Orient team do. Press yeah. their opponents so the opponent's making us unforced errors. I just do not know what to do on the pitch. In the 79th minute, it was almost five as Randall put a ball across the six-yard box. Just too quick for XO Loney. Jake Taylor, who's gone on to have a very good career in League 2, who sticks his toe out, but he couldn't connect. Could have been much worse if it had been five. If it would have been a five, there would have been someone with a correct prediction yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Craig Clay picked up a yellow card in the 86th minute and Nigel Atengana committed a foul in the 89th minute, around 30 uh, yards out from goal. We had a free kick, which again, Connor Wilkinson took, but Andresen uh, got a minimal touch on it to go out for a corner that eventually came to nothing. Still one of the proudest moments of the Orient Outlook podcast was somehow getting the scoop that Nigel Asengana had signed for Orient when no one else knew he had. Good player. <laughs> one of I the like... proudest moments that we had back in the day. Like Nigel. So three additional minutes were added on, played out as referee put us out of our misery and ended the matches. Joby McEnough's second game in charge ended in a very comprehensive defeat mm. as Exeter City won the game 4-0 to leave the playoffs looking like a real, real world away. So Joby McEnough spoke today, Victor, after the game. Thank you today for sending over the sound snippet. We're going to play a little bit just to give you Joby's thoughts on the game. And here's what Joby McEnough had to say. Joby, thanks for joining us. What would you have learned from that performance and defeat? Um, I think we've seen the difference between a, a really good side at this level and one that hasn't been good enough um, at times this season. Um, you know, I think they were way better all over the pitch in every area. Um, of course, that's something that first and foremost myself and the staff will look at. You know, I'm one always for personal accountability and certainly we'll look at everything we did leading up to the game, you know, whether that's training, team selection, um, and we'll make sure we, we do that first. But again, for me, in terms of us on the pitch, we were just second to everything. They had a greater desire. Um, you know, again, for me, Exeter are a team who do those little details well. You know, they, they go up quite direct to Bowman, who's obviously a handful. We didn't deal with him first and foremost. The knock-on effect for that is then they then be able to get on the second balls, which, again, we were reacting later to. Um, and, again, something we've really tried to work on. What that doesn't then enable us to do is get up to Danny Johnson and have the support around him that he needs so he then becomes isolated. So, listen, um, from front to back, just nowhere near it. Um, you know, we've had words, um, but at the same time, we will have to take that responsibility and, and be better. So interesting there to hear from, from, uh, from Joby about personal accountability, second best to everything. And Exeter showed a greater desire to get to the ball, things that should come naturally to to elite footballers. Um, but yeah, absolutely, and that's that's a lot of 
what went wrong. So that was just the first sort of minute and 15 seconds of that. There's, there's another three minutes uh, on the club's YouTube channel. We didn't want to sort of sit here and, and, and repeat what's already out there. So, uh, but it just gives you a bit of a flavour. You can tell JB's clearly not happy and he's probably given them a right telling off in that dressing room. Yeah, absolutely. So that defeat meant the O slipped back to 14th place in League Two. So now we've played 32, won 12, drawn six, lost 14, 42 points. But very disappointingly, for the first time that I can remember this season, we have got a minus, we've got a negative goal difference. Goal difference now, after those four goals, stands at minus one. So, Mr. Levy, your views on yesterday's horrific Exeter match? Yeah, quick piece of trivia to, to kick off my views. Uh, last time we lost 4-0 was to Exeter City on the 5th of September 2015. We've lost 3-0 a couple of times between now and 2015, but yeah, they seem to be a little bit of a, a bogey side for us. But uh, it's the worst performance I've seen for a while. To a player, they everybody was poor. I don't think anyone comes out with any credibility yesterday. They all let, uh, they all let Joby and the staff down. Uh, and it's a real performance to forget and not, not one to have a full, full-blown full meltdown over, though. The way some people going on on socials is a little bit embarrassing. It wasn't a good game. It was poor. We'll move on, uh, we'll, we'll move on from it. But it's funny how Joby ended up using the same formation and tactics that Ross used that didn't work well um, rather than trying something different, which I thought he was bringing some, some fresh ideas. But from that, I think Joby's probably going to learn a lot more from uh, from that thumping, um, a thumping that we've not had for for a, a fair while now. It's fair to say, so he'll know what he needs to do. Um, well, he's only got Monday, and then we've got a game Tuesday, and then obviously the players will rest on Wednesday, and then they'll be back in Thursday, Friday before a game Saturday. So it's a shame he's not got a clear week to implement some ideas. Um, but uh, I don't think we can expect too much too soon. But I, I did expect a bit better than this. Stevenage are up next and, and, and they're not going to be a pushover. They're on a good run of form at the moment. They've slowly gone about creeping up the table and now as we look over our shoulder, they're literally right behind us. So it's not going to be an easy game and, and Scunthorpe next Saturday is not going to be an easy one either. So it's a lot of uh, lot of testing matches coming up for Joby and the team and we'll need a reaction for both of them, not just for one of them. I thought that was really poor, if I'm honest. I thought Exeter just... Ripped us apart. We looked absolutely terrified. No, no answer at all. All over the place at the back. Widowson and Akinola just could not deal with their runners on the wing whatsoever. And it just meant that Turley and Happy couldn't play clean up. Um, at the back, I thought the midfield were terrible. However, and what I will say is that 2-0 down, could he not have put another man in midfield and put four in there? We were clearly getting overrun in midfield by the, mm. by their four to our three. I'm surprised it took him to half time to make any kind of change given, you know, even though they didn't score, you can say, for half hour between the 13th minute and the 43rd minute, we didn't have any chances of no. And if another goal was coming, it was always going to be an Exeter goal and not a late in Orient goal. So, yeah, midfield report, Johnson, no point like... A few people have said there's no point in playing a long ball to Danny Johnson over the top when he's got Brophy and Kemp who aren't the tallest. If you're going to play Johnson with Wilkinson on one side and maybe Tristan on the other, you know, more physical players, in OK, you've got more of a chance. Dan Kemp ain't going to win you any headed balls, long balls up the pitch. And I don't think James Brophy is either. That's, that's not their style. 
that's not what they're there for. So, not sure that yesterday's tactics were right. Not sure that yesterday's philosophy um, was right. But fair play to Exeter. People will say we were awful. That's why Exeter was so good. I think it's every way around. Exeter was so good. They made us look bad. And that's what a good League 2 team is. Their pressing was good. Their passing was good. Their shape was good. Their running was good. They all knew where they should be. Their runners were bang on. Their passing decisions were perfect. And who would have thought, you know, that's where, that's where we aspire to be because that was a good team that we played and they made us look like a very poor team. So all in all, not a good day, especially after the kind of euphoria of beating Grimsby and everyone started to feel that there was a bit of a turnaround happening. You know, obviously Nigel's come on the podcast and said playoffs. Joby's won his first game, which we played quite well and everyone's really happy. So, no, not quite meltdown zone. However, not good. Not good at all. And I think a lot of fans came to the realisation yesterday that the playoffs, is, it's not going to be as easy as what we thought it was going to be. Especially, like you said, two difficult home games coming up that we'll talk about shortly. So those were our views. Lots and lots of your views. Lots of disappointed people out there. Mm. Steve Forecast was to get his tweet into us at the full-time whistle. and said, when a team built around and pretty much dependent on a particular player doesn't have that player because he is now the manager, the team isn't going to suddenly become winners. Lomax underscore Chris said, the problem with Joby, the manager, is that we lose Joby, the player, which kind yeah, of feeds into what Steve said, yeah. Yeah, Boatsy, it's the worst performance of the season. Players need to take full responsibility for today. Joby does need to take a long, hard look at the personnel and formations as well, so we just don't look like a team who can score goals. Must make sure we bounce back on Tuesday. I mean, that's going to be the important thing yeah. to see. Obviously, we'll come on to Tuesday, but Joby's got a few questions that need answering on Tuesday in terms of formation and lineup and the way he's going to play his football. Definitely, definitely. John W999 said, Can't take any positives out of that. Serious concern that there's been no new injection of ideas in the past two games. We're just doing more of what is patently, patently sorry, unsuccessful. Cissé playing 90 minutes a day is unfathomable and worrying. I agree. I don't know how Cissé stayed on the pitch for so long when he was so poor. Yeah. Cissé kind of got a few people back on side, didn't they, following performance on Tuesday, but it looks like he lost them and a lot more after his performance on Saturday. Um, Orient underscore Ed, it's a different manager, same old mistakes. Joby doing exactly what Ross did. The players, no passion, no desire, gave the ball away more times than they can count. What total rubbish yet again. Daniel underscore D44, so that was a truly awful performance. Exeter looked like the best team that we've played and reaped the benefits of playing high tempo, attacking purposeful direct football. We made it so easy for them and it looked like a lot of dead wood out there. Yeah, good point there. David says, so we've gone from playing the ball around without any real conviction to a team that just kicks the ball up in the air aimlessly. Playoffs... I've got more chance of growing my hair back. <laughs> Not one of those players earned their money. You and me both, David. You and me both. <laughs> Flaherty, MGT, said shambolic, but aside from personnel, no meaningful tactical changes. What do we expect? Baffling subs. Joby has a lot to learn, but we have players that should be humiliated by that. Cissé and Turley in particular were very, very poor. Lots of work to do. I agree with Cissé. I think Turley is getting a bump deal there. I think the full-backs just couldn't cope with what was coming at them. And I think the midfield gave the centre-backs absolutely no protection. So I think I feel Turley's a bit hard done by there, but obviously but respect everyone's opinions. Ron Sampson. What was that? He was poor. 
He was very poor. He's he open was, to he was, criticism because he was poor as well. He was more than poor. Ron Sampson, 15. So Joby is Ross. Mark 2. Same 4 3 3. It doesn't work. Leave Johnson on his own. We needed an experienced manager and we didn't get one. Terrible performance. The worst this season. And I guess it's performances like that which will make the naysayers for Joby voices louder in terms of wanting an experienced manager and want an outsider to come in. So I don't think Joby will feel any pressure personally, but I think there is a bit of pressure building already from the fan base. It's a bit strange with having someone in charge for only two games. Yeah, exactly. This is why some of the these are sort of slight overreactions. Jagsy1979 said, we were a joke, but nobody's laughing. Clear to see the problems are on the pitch and to see Joby making some of the same choices that Ross would be crucified for. But all hopes of the playoffs are simply delusional. Season's effectively over for us. Steve, LOFC, it looked like a bunch of strangers playing together for the first time. Mm. Body language was poor from the start. No togetherness whatsoever. It gives me the impression maybe all is not well in the dressing room or with someone else within the club. Very, mm. uh, very cryptic. Uh, I was going to say, it's like Kent has come back in the form of a tweeter. <laughs> in the form of Steve LOFC. Dan Alton <laughs> 2590 said, clearly the worst performance of the season by a considerable distance. think we need to start asking some serious questions here, particularly regarding the hiring and firing of managers and this supposed succession plan. That was a shambolic disgrace from start to finish. And just to raise the point, I think as sometimes as you know, the performances that we saw under Ross weren't the best, we never looked like we were going to get thumped 3 or 4-0 particularly, or worse, did we? Not to the extent that we got thumped yesterday. No, I would agree with that. Tom Davies, E17, gave us another tweet to talk about. Perhaps our squad and our alleged great January editions aren't as good as we all thought. Another good point there. Thompson's been good, I think, but obviously isn't playing again this season, so he's out. Um, Tristan Abrahams hasn't really played really he's come on as a sub made a few cameras but not really done anything so that's two out of four really not done anything Freeman plays but I've got to be honest I'm so disappointed with Nick Freeman when I saw the highlights real and when I saw what Grimsby, Grimsby but Wickham fans were saying about him I thought this is a player who's going to excite me he gave the big interview with the club I'm playing you should be excited about I like creating chances I like scoring I like assists must be different Nick Freeman I ain't seen that guy that guy ain't played for Leighton Orient yeah do you know what I mean yeah and um, Dan Kemp has a good game and has a bad game has a good game and it's the bar twice when he should score but then like I said gets into good position so you know we were so excited about these January editions and so far haven't really delivered what was promised I think yeah fair enough absolutely fair enough I mean Maybe it's just not been the right environment. I, I just don't know. But it, it certainly, it's, uh, they haven't hit the ground running, let's put it that way. And they've certainly not delivered on the expectation that we, we had. But then maybe that's just a, a funny thing anyway. Matty, LOFC Evans, said, Today is a reality check. How far off the playoffs really we really are. Exeter were ruthless and deserved the win. And we need to focus on consolidating the best league position we can muster. Rebuild over the summer with new players and try somehow tie down the ones who can do a job. Point fancy said garbage, utter garbage. Not one player played for the shirt. Embarrassing performance from all involved. Ball says playoffs are the target. I say no chance. Was Ross really the problem? Maybe not. Maybe the players are simply not good enough. Would a new manager improve that? Not sure. Wrecker blew up, said our midfield is very weak. Our centre backs are too slow and our keeper had some calamitous errors. 
Our strikers didn't have any chances and you're never going to win games like this. Long-term Exeter are a club we should aspire to be. Buy and sell very well and have a good organisational structure. Steve Chapman Fawcett, performance lacking in all where Pedro had a shocker, but he's probably due one this season. Defensively weak, especially for the third goal and the penalty. And at least Connor tried when he came on. We didn't yeah. make Exeter work for the win. Les LK52 said, all wrong. Formation, tactics, players wasn't as if we played well at Grimsby to justify it. Stop talking playoffs, get a proper manager in ASAP so he can have a rest, uh, so he can have rest the rest of the season to assess the squad and improve where we need where needed. This was more like a relegation performance than a playoff one. Rainy days. Worst we played since the relegation year. Truly awful in every respect. Worryingly, we continue with the same failed formation. Joby's sole change seems to be to get the ball forward faster, which sounds right, but has resulted in a hoofball too many non-league standard players. Ed Jones, 1976, said, I feel for Joby. We all want him to do well, but the only coaching experience he's gained is under Ross last season. No surprise it's the same, and I still believe we need fresh ideas from an experienced manager. We can't afford to keep experimenting. The, there are options outside E10. Yeah, Kid Sampson knows. And I could go into a diatribe about how the only thing Joby has changed is dropping our two best players and point out every donkey who shouldn't be part of the squad next season. But instead, I'll just point out that we kept the clean sheet after Ling and Brophy became our full-back duo. Vince Howard, 73, said, Players showing that whilst Ross had his faults, the players are just not good enough, as cited by Carl Fletcher. All too predictable, and every team in this league knows that if they close us down quick, we have no response. Sunshine LOFC, so we looked physically weak and very void of ideas for long parts of the game. Yet again, DJ seemed totally isolated for long periods, and we lacked much in the way of a great spark in the final third. While defensively looking fragile, must do better. Bendy Bollard said, Today always looked like one of the toughest games of our remaining fixtures. The key will be how we bounce back in the two home games this week. Nigel Travis mentioning the playoffs has just raised expectation to unrealistic levels uh, when in truth we are building for next season under Joby. I think that's a really great point as well, something I've said to a few people in my WhatsApp groups about you know, the fact that it's out there now for Joby to, to be getting into the playoffs and is it seen as a failure on his part if he doesn't if he doesn't get yeah. it? You know, the board have put time, their... time will tell. I don't think anyone will mind if the football improves and we get some good wins and just miss out on the playoffs. But I think, you know, if we play the, the better teams in this league, I think there's still a few big teams for us to play and keep getting turned over 3 or 4 nil. I think that could do more damage than good. I guess but time will tell and we'll see what Joby does. But that's all well and good. But Nigel has said on this podcast that they they removed Ross because they felt that the the playoff the playoff option, which is their their main target now, um, is within our grasp. Particularly with the four new signings. Now I know Thompson got injured and he's out, and he was probably one of the fundamental parts of it. But they've laid it out there. The reason they made the change was because they felt that the playoffs. Uh, as an option for us was was slipping away and they had to make that change and Joby was the one that was going to drive us into that uh, into that playoff spot and after yesterday's performance there's a massive question mark over that from a lot of Orient uh, Orient fans now again it's just one game out of the however many we've got left 15 or so that we've got left so you know, can't really jump to too big a conclusions but that's I guess where a lot of fans minds are at the moment yeah, I mean, there's 14 games left to play. If we play 14 or we're 14 in 
<laughs> in the happy days. Do you know what I mean? I think Ross said he, he, he needed 10 wins from his last 16 games, if I remember rightly. So we won one of those games. So if you're going by Ross's statistics, we need to win nine out of the last 14 games to play, which is going to be tough, I would say, based on what we've seen so far. Not you know, not unbelievable, but, but very, very tough. Veggie Jones says, it's taken a week and a disappointing result against Exeter to go from Ross Embleton isn't getting enough out of the team. This is a top three squad. To go in, this squad is non-league. They all need replacing. <laughs> Very good, astute point there. At Orient underscore fan said, really, really poor. Too often this season, we just haven't turned up. We have an opportunity now with playoffs. Unlikely, let's put a solid foundation in place for next season. Management, player contract, style of play, etc. Let's use this time wisely. I mean, there are going to be a few clubs who will fade. I mean, Carlisle look like they're fading massively mm. due to squad size and COVID and the pile-up of fixtures. There might be a few... A few teams who, who favoured in. On the flip side of that, Bolton have come from nowhere now. Look yeah. very comfortable. Bradford have come out of nowhere. Look very Bradford. comfortable. You know, Exeter still got a few more games to play. Newport could do much better on a much better pitch. You know, Cambridge won yesterday one 0 due to a last minute screamer from Mullin after like they were going to get a draw. I mean, it's going to be very tough to crack that top seven John J Miller said we're in pedestrian mode thinking we're better than what we are Exeter showed movement chasing the build up as a team you need that to stand a chance before any technical stuff we're so far away from that Joby needs to drum that in to have any chance and sort out an isolated DJ final word on this week's uh, games goes to at Essex Biz who says I'm just going to say one more thing on today's game while Ross was in charge, we were always in every game and didn't get played off the park once that I can remember this season. Today, we got trounced for the first time and was never in the game. Just saying. So, thanks to everyone who tweeted us. And we had so many more tweets than that. We can't sit here and read every single one out. So, thanks to everyone who took the time to message us. And if you agree or disagree with any of the tweets we've read out, let us know. Let us know what you think. Tweet us at Orient Outlook. You can send us an email with pleasure. OrientOutlook at Outlook.com is our email address. So that wraps up that side of things with all the views and reactions. Yeah, I must say also a massive thank you to birthday boy Kevin Cowlin for his DM. And thanks for all the emails that we get in. Like Paul said, you can email us at Outlook. Outlook.com and don't forget about Facebook and on Instagram if you're not already following us at Orient Outlook Podcast on Facebook and at Orient underscore Outlook underscore Podcast on Instagram. So unsurprisingly, there were no correct predictions uh, for yesterday's result. There was quite a few that said three 0 to Exeter that almost came off, and there was one from Kid Sampson that said five 0 to Exeter, but nobody got four 0 So no points, nil point awarded <laughs> for yesterday. So. Top of the prediction league currently stands with Dan Olsen, 2590, leading the way on 29 points. David Landau, 17 behind him on 26 points. Wadsey on 23 points. And in fourth place, O's fan basing. So thanks to everyone for their predictions over the last week. So let's move on into Sunday, the 7th of March. Today, nothing happened at the club. It's been a very quiet day at the club. No mm-hmm. news to report. So just over 70 minutes, I'm guessing. Time mm-hmm. to wrap up this bad boy. You are spot on. It is exactly 70 minutes now. Fantasy football update. So it doesn't take into account the recent games. Spurs have just beaten Palace 4-1. So if you've got Gareth Bale and Harry Kane in your squads, you would have got done well because they scored two goals each. 
Dave Hyten is top of the Orient Outlook podcast fantasy football league. He's ahead of Elliot Pierce, who's in second place. Uh, just and Steve is in 55th place out of a whopping 295 players. So let's move on then to the positives and negatives. We've only got a couple of positives for this week's show, which I'll do. Yeah, you, I think I've done them last week, so yeah. you do the two positives in my love. Okay, win at Grimsby obviously is a positive, and also keeping a clean sheet against Grimsby as well. So a win and a clean sheet at Grimsby, the only two positives that we can take out of this week. So negatives then, so three negatives. So first one being Adam Thompson's injury, warning him out for the rest of the season. So we wish Adam well and hopefully he'll be back for pre-season and you know, comes roaring, ready for the new season. Second negative is just the overall performance against Exeter, which you know we all agree just wasn't good enough or anywhere near where we want it to be. And the last negative is we've dropped the place in the league. And also tying with that, we've moved to a negative goal difference. I think Ken... When he was on the podcast four weeks ago, I spoke about how important goal difference was. But Ross has spoken about it numerous times. So really disappointing to see that goal difference turn from what one point was a plus nine, now go to a minus one. Mm. So some really horrible negatives there. Moving on to hero of the week. So last week we didn't name one because we didn't feel it was right to do. And this week we found it very, very hard with no ladies match, with no trust activity, with no youth team news. Um, we haven't been able to pull it elsewhere. We didn't think that it was right to give it to anyone on the coaching staff or any of the players after yesterday's morning. So unfortunately for the second week running and for the second time in Orient Outlook podcast history, we don't like doing it. There's no hero of the week. A brace of shows with no hero of the week. So let's move on then to next week's fixtures. It's another busy week as we play Tuesday, Saturday. But we've got two home fixtures. First up, we've got Stevenage on Tuesday the 9th of March. They beat Harrogate yesterday 1-0. They currently sit one place and one point behind us. And in their last five games, they've won two and drawn three. They've lost none of their last five games, which is remarkable. Alex Revel doing very well there. They are doing very well. They beat Forest Green Rovers, I think, last week. They had a Forest Green Rovers 3-0. They got a good win yesterday against the Harrogate team. Good goal as well. Right from their back, their keeper, Dunham Vigoru, literally booed up the pitch to their forward who scored it. Um, their turnaround's been quite, well, more than sensational. That's going to be a very difficult game. One that looked like a bank of three-pointer a couple of weeks ago is now going to be a very difficult home game. So that'll be difficult. That's followed up. Uh, with another home game, so two home games in a week. Scunthorpe United this time on Saturday, the 13th of March. Scunthorpe got a very good result yesterday. Drew one all away to Salford. They're currently 17th in the league. Out of their last five, they've won two, drawn one, and lost two. I think, you know, the playoffs, although look very unrealistic, but still mathematically possible. We've got to really win both of those games, you'd imagine. Joby said he wanted some points out next week. I think anything less than six out of six, you can kiss those playoffs goodbye for yeah. certain. Yeah, very, very difficult. Not easy games. None of these are easy. So a sponsorship reminder then. Don't forget, for the best plastering and rendering prices around, visit AJF Plastering on Facebook or at Big Ads LOFC on Twitter for all your plastering and rendering needs. Yeah, so that is it. Thank you for joining us for episode 237. We're getting our way now, Paul, to... 250, unbelievably. It's been a, a chaotic week at the club. As Joby McEnough took charge of his first two games as interim manager, winning on a cold Tuesday night in Grimsby and losing to a very good Exeter team 
on Saturday, which will give him plenty to consider before the next two games. We hope and are praying that Exeter was a one-off, which we'll never see again, especially after Nigel and the Bulls' expectations to make it into the playoffs. So two tough tests await the O's, as we said this week. The Stevenage, who won't be a pushover, and Scunthorpe, that aren't far behind us in 17th place. But we are ever the optimists, and hopefully we'll be talking about two wins, six points, lots of positive views and a hero of the week for you all next week on the Hour and Outlook podcast fingers crossed if you're listening on iTunes please subscribe give our podcast a five star rating and review on whatever platform you get your podcast from it'd be really helpful for us because it does really affect the algorithms and other new listeners that we could pick up potentially from uh, other interested football fans if you're listening on SoundCloud Spotify TuneIn and Stitcher add us to your favourites that way you'll have all the podcasts available as soon as we upload them we're also on smart speakers so listening to the podcast has got even easier if you've got an older relative or a loved one or an orient who you think will like the podcast pass the pod we had a tremendous interview last week with Nigel three weeks before that sorry two weeks before that we had Kent on uh, on the show as well so there must be something out there for everybody even if you don't want to listen to some of the uh, terrible results that we've been uh, covering in this week's show or terrible result that we've covered in this week's show there are other things for you to listen to so thank you to everyone yeah, good point about listening to other stuff. So I'm going to plug, unshamedly plug my music podcast. So if you listen to this on a Monday and you pine for me and the bearded legend for the rest of the week, you can still hear my voice. I do a fantastical <laughs> podcast, which is on Spotify, iTunes and on Anchor. It's all about people coming on and collating their fantasy festivals. So if you like the outlook, it's pretty laid back like this had Ross Embleton on the podcast I've had Steve Foster on the podcast I've had the bearded legend himself on the podcast I've had Dave Victor on the podcast and this week I had Ian Salmon who is part of the Anfield Rap Podcast who have got a mere 300,000 followers on Twitter he's a great man it was a great episode so if you like music and you like podcasts which you obviously do because you're listening to this one go ahead give us a follow at Fantastable P on Twitter and have a listen to the Fantastable and let me know what you think and that isn't the only personal plug we're going to do this week Mr Levy no it isn't my wife as I uh, gave her a, a plug a couple of weeks ago um, she uh, has set up a site called Crafty Zoe and Zoe uh, and it is Mother's Day next Sunday so anybody who is stuck for a, a unique gift idea Crafty Zoe and Zoe offer personalised handmade wall art for your home or your office or wherever you want to hang it. The designs cater to all tastes and especially to the Orient community as Zoe's Scrabble frames look lovely in the Orient colours and I've seen it and it does look stupendous. You've just got the difficult decision uh, as to whether you add your loved one's name or maybe your favourite Orient players instead. Zoe's available on Instagram or Facebook at Crafty Zonzo. That's Z-O-N-Z-O, so it looks like Crafty Zonzo. Or you can go to a website, get some ideas and inspiration, www.craftyzonzo.co.uk. These make unique gift ideas. Mother's Day is next week, everybody, helping you out there. And also birthdays, weddings, bar mitzvahs, whatever happy occasion, anniversary that you may have. Get in touch playoffs everything else yeah so before we go we're also happy international women's day which is coming up on monday the 8th of march and we'll be back with episode 238 next week with all the information and views that you could ever need so we look forward to hearing from you and as always calm stay safe have a great week have a great mother's day to everyone out there celebrating now listen to the orient 
Outlook podcast. And also, just before we go, good luck to all the children returning to school tomorrow and anybody who's going back to college as well. We hope everything goes well and well done to all the parents who have been homeschooling. Up the O's. We'll see you next week. Up the O's.